I thought it would be good for me to just to highlight for you um, what just happened over the last uh, 35, 40 minutes. Um, some of you may not quite be used to that, uh, that kind of an experience, because you maybe you met a pastor at some point in your journey, and they kind of were like, hey, can we sing some songs so we can get to the Word? And the Word is extremely important, and we're going to talk about that, and I'm going I'm to teach the Bible today. But, but here's the thing about gathering together as the body of Christ. We gather together for Him. We don't gather together for us. I didn't show up today for what I'm going to get out of today. I came today for what I can give to him today. And so that's what that whole first half of the service was about. Uh, and here's what happens as you worship. Amazing things happen. See, we want you to experience God in a very real way. And that happens when you come to worship. When you worship, you have an instant, I like to call it an instant right-sizing of you. You're not too big, you don't have too big of an ego, and you don't think you're a small, insignificant worm. Instead, you realize, oh God, you're big, I'm little, but you live in me. There's an instant right-sizing of you that happens when you worship. And you just kind of get anchored, and you realize, oh, I'm going through storms and things are rough, but it's okay, because he's right here with me in the midst of it. All that stuff happens. But beyond any of that, you know, what, you know what's the best part about it? is just that he deserves all of the glory and we give it to him. So I just wanted to highlight that for you. That's a major part of our service and a part of our church life, and I thought that was important. A couple quick things. One is that next week, is it next week? It's next week. We're having water baptism. And so, uh, so maybe this is the time for you. Maybe you've been thinking about it, you've been praying about it, you've made a decision for Jesus recently, and you want to take the next step to identify with him in his death, burial, and resurrection life. You can do that in the waters of baptism. We're going to do it right here somewhere in a theater. And if you've never seen anybody baptized in a theater, it's lots of fun. And so come next week and hang out. And if you want to do that, you can go to onechapel.com, check out baptism, let us know that you want to participate in that. All right. And then finally, Falltober is coming very shortly. And so uh, I just want to highlight for you the importance of this thing. Rob had one small thing that he said incorrectly on that video, and that was, he said it's a friendly competition. So, 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 so uh, in case you're kind of new, um, I just want you to know we won the Twinkie Cup last year. We are in possession of it currently. And um, it's over there in my office. And so um, we would like to keep that in our possession. And just a brief history. Oh, my goodness. i got to teach the Bible. Just a brief history. But, but the year before that, actually, they shut down all the judging before the three-on-three tournament got put in to the final scores. And we won that three-on-three tournament. So, so actually, we probably won the past two years, though we got denied that first year. Anyway, I'm fine. It's fine. I don't care. I'm fine. I don't, it doesn't matter to me at all. But... Uh, but, but here's the deal. Here's the thing. Costume contests. So come on, bring your best. Trunk or treat. We need some of you to participate and make the most amazing trunk or treat out there that you possibly can. Canned food. Let's bless Hayes County Food Bank with so much food they can't even take it all. And then finally, the three-on-three tournament. I'm going to leave that to you because that's not my specialty. All right, so, so there you go, people. Um, that's on the way, and it's going to be fun. Uh, I wish we could talk about it more, but we should do more important things like study the scripture and be discipled. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. And we bless your great name. Now come and teach us from your word. We bless you in Jesus' name. Everybody said a good, strong, amen. Um, I want to ask you this question today as we get started. Like, what, what do you think right now? Like, if, if somebody asked your kids about you, if you've got kids, and they ask you, what, what, what are your parents like? What would they say? 
<laughs> For some of us, it's like, oh, don't ask today. Like, not after this morning on the way here. Don't ask today. Try tomorrow, maybe, after I give them some ice cream. Um, or if you're not married yet and you don't have kids, what would your friends say about you? Like, if you asked, hey, what do you think about so-and-so, what, what would they say? We, we all are in the process right now of kind of creating the memories and the thoughts that people will have about us in the future. I remember one specific circumstance. Um, we were living off of 290. It was early on in our time coming to Austin. And um, I was in the closet, one of the closets in the hallway, because my kids and I, we were going to watch a movie in the afternoon. And so, so they're all very little at this time. At one point, like, we had our kids real back to back to back. And so we had three under three for a little while, didn't we? So we had three kids under three. And, oh, Jesus. And so I'm glad that day's over. But but they were still real small, and they're kind of, they weren't that young, but they're running around me, and we're trying to pick out a movie. And so I'm in, the, you know, your closet gets all messy, and so I've got the stack of CDs. Oh, those are these round silver things that we used to play music on, but um, I have the stack of CDs in my hand that I was saving, you know, for nostalgia. And, and we're trying to pick out a movie, and they're just fighting. They're fighting. They're just, I don't want to watch that. And they're running around, and they're hitting me in the knees, and I'm just trying to have a good afternoon with my kids, and they're not letting it happen. And so it just, it just welled up within me. And I don't know if I was having a bad day or whatever, but I took that stack, and I just said, fine, and I threw them on the ground. And they shattered jewel cases everywhere, CDs flying by their heads, like, and they all just went. This is probably about six, seven years later now. They still talk about that day. <laughs> Dad, remember when you... Yes, I remember. Please stop bringing it up. We're all in the process of creating some sort of legacy today. And today we're starting a series called Legacy. Every year we do this. We kind of take some time to focus in and remember, what are we all doing here? We're all here, actually, because we're called to make a difference in this world and in the people around us. Your life is important to do that. You realize the goal of this life is not just to live as long as you can, collect some stuff, and then die and maybe pass on what you have. That's not the reason you're here, to just have the best and longest life and then die. You are here for more than that, and you can leave something incredible behind, something that lives on after you're gone. Something good, not jewel cases flying everywhere. You can leave an amazing legacy. That's, that's why we have things like Catalyst. We just got back from a Catalyst retreat. About 300 people all gathered together, moving forward in Jesus. That's them right there. I'm surprised they're even cognizant because it was a late night. But that's why we have that. That's why we share the gospel. It's why we go on missions. It's why we do the stuff that we're doing because we know that we're called to make, and, and make a legacy here on the earth, to leave one behind. So as part of this series, what we do is every December, we collect what we call a legacy offering. You might remember this. We did it uh, last year, and we're going to do it again this year on December 9th. And this is an offering that we give above our tithes and offerings. But last year, it was amazing because we gave a holiday bonus to all the teachers at Camino Real Elementary, $150 to those guys, and they had a great holiday, and we blessed those families. We saved some money and put it aside for a permanent location for our church. We love Evo, but we don't plan on being here forever. And so we're looking actively for a place for us to have our own digs and take roots in the community. We purchased last year a bus and a van for our student ministry, and now those are carrying students back and forth to tag nights uh, during every month, and it's amazing what's happening there. Thank you for that. We upgraded a bunch of needs in our kids' ministry um, because they are some of the most important people in this church. 
Um, we put some money away towards the vision of planting 10 churches in our area in 10 years. And so you did that. And you didn't know this, maybe, but we also blenched. Blenched? <laughs> That's a new word that I made up. And you did that. We, we blessed a whole bunch of One Chapel Kyle families that were in need last year. At the end of the year, they didn't know if they were going to make it. And your generosity blessed them and encouraged them and helped them to know we're behind you and you're going to make it. This year, we're going to do that again, and we're going to receive that offering on December 9th. But I, I just want to tell you about it. Eight weeks in advance, I just want you to know. And I want you to know because I'm never going to put pressure on you to give. I'm not going to show you sad videos and try to manipulate you. I don't ever want to do that. I will try to inspire you to think that you can be and give more than you ever thought you could. I will try to do those things because I believe that we're called to make a major difference. But I'm not going to manipulate you. Not, we're going to take that one offering during the holiday season so that we can work towards leaving a legacy. And this year, this year we're going to put some more money away so that we can take roots and have a permanent location for us. That's really important, everybody. That's a visionary component of our church. We want to tell Kyle, we're not a flash in the pan. We are here. <laughs> and we're here for the long haul. And a building just helps communicate that and lets ministry happen uh, in more significant ways all through the week. Um, so we'll give towards that. We'll give towards 10 churches in 10 years. And then we're going to dream a little bit. What could we do together? What could we do? Things that, lo- that, things that are in my heart, things about foster care, foster kids, foster families, single moms, widows. You know, James 1.27 kind of stuff where Jesus says, this is real religion. I'm interested in stuff like that. What could we do in our community? What, what needs do you know of? Like, what if we just got together and we just decided, hey, hey, we're going we're gonna to take care of some of the needs in my neighborhood. Like, like people who don't come to church here, but they've got crushing hospital debt because they've had a sickness in their family. What if we rolled up in there and said, hey, we're going to pay that for you. What if we did that kind of stuff? We're going to dream about the things that we could do and leave a legacy here. So I want you to mark your calendars, pray about it. And I just want you, that's all I want you to do. Pray and ask God what you should do. That's it. But here's the thing, legacy, you already know this, but it's so much more than your finances. Legacy is about so much more than that. It's about you. And so the reason that we exist as a church is to make a difference for eternity. The reason every one of us are here is to do that. Your life is more significant than you realize. And there's something, I think, inside of every one of us that wants to do this. We want to leave something behind, something good that lasts. We, many of us, we want to change the trajectory of where our family is headed. We want to change the course of where our kids are headed. We want to change what our family is known for in the earth. We want to leave something positive. Here's what a legacy is. I've got two definitions. Uh, The first is legacy is something such as a tradition or a problem that exists as a result of something that happened in the past. Or legacy is something that someone has achieved that continues to exist after they stop working or die. (laughs) Or die. Welcome to church, everybody. And the thing is, you're going to leave a legacy one way or another. Like you're working on it right now. It's already happening to you whether you like it or not. So what are people going to say about you? Well, check out the story from the New Testament. It shows up in three different Gospels. And so it gets a lot of airtime, but it gives us this amazing idea of what legacy can be. And we're going to jump around a little bit in the Gospels to get the full perspective from several authors. But we're going to start in John chapter 12, verse 1. Are you ready? Good. Here we go. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. That's awesome. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. 
Don't you love this? I love that Jesus, some people think of Jesus and he's wearing, he's got he's blonde or brown hair, you know, blue eyes. He's very white. It's ridiculous. Um, you know, big beard, white cloak, blue sash. Like, you know, everybody's got that image of him. And he walks around very holy. My child, my child, my child. That's their, that's their image of what Jesus is. That's not Jesus. That's not the Jesus that we... Jesus is the dude hanging out with a bunch of people, just sitting, having dinner with tax collectors, having dinner with sinners, just hanging out, just drinking, just having a great time. You know, that's Jesus. Don't get too caught up on that. But he's... I just, some of you are like, oh, good. Uh, well, well, we can talk about that later. <laughs> Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, he objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold? Why wasn't the money given to the poor? This was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Here, here's John writing an account of his friend Lazarus, and he knew what was really going on. That's rough. Mark 14, we're going to jump to Mark now. And Jesus says, same story, same moment. Jesus says, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor, you're always going to have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. That, right there, that's it. That's what I want us to do. She did what she could. Whatever she had, whatever opportunity, whatever thought, she did what she could. I just want you to do that. Just do whatever you can. Do whatever God calls you to do. Take a look at your life. Take a look at the blessings that you received. Oh, I don't have any. Yes, you do. You have much more than you realize. Take a look at the things that God has given you. Take a look at the mercy and the grace and the love that's been extended to you. Take a look at the forgiveness that's been given you. Take a look at the, the second chance you've been given, the third chance, the 50th chance, the whatever chance you're on today. Take a look at those chances. Realize you've been blessed by so much that he's given to you. And realize you have something that you can do. You can honor God with your life and with your giving of your life. Continues in verse 8. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus says, anytime you tell this story... Anytime my story, this story is told, she's going to be a part of it. You're going to tell her story. It's a beautiful picture of extravagant love, isn't it? Like this woman, Mary, she goes the extra mile, and you want to live your way that too. And the way this works is love, love doesn't just, love's not a, it's not a feeling. We've talked about that a lot recently. Love's a choice. And actually, love, love means you do something. Love has action. Way back in the day, DC Talk had a song called Love is a Verb. Man, I want to wrap that right now. <laughs> I will resist <laughs> for you. Um, love has to do something. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son. Now, some of you, if, if you're married, if you've been dating for a long time, like this makes sense to you. I did some things in my history growing up because I was in love. I was in love with a beautiful woman inside and out. And I did some things. 
uh, when, I was, when we were in college, um, uh, we, we were just kind of dating, and um, I invited her over. My friend Glenn and I, we had an apartment together, and it was my final year, my senior year. I was thinking, I'm probably going to marry this girl. At least I'm going to try. And so I invited her over uh, for dinner, and I, I made her, I cooked her dinner. A college boy cooked her dinner. I'm sure it wasn't very good. But I made her this, this Cajun chicken, this recipe that my, my uh, stepmom has with rice and gravy and vegetables. I, it is pretty awesome. I mean, it sounded awesome. But, and then, but I wanted to be romantic. But it's a cruddy apartment for two college boys. So, so I went and got black plastic from the store, and I hung it up. I hung it up on the ceiling. I hung it up over the table where we were going to eat. I made like a, like a cave, and I poked holes in it so that the light would shine through, kind of like a starlight night and a beautiful setting and scene. And I put flowers in there, and I put candles in there, and it, we probably suffocated. It was a terrible idea, major fire hazard. And I invited her in, and I'm sure it was so stupid. Like, it, it was hot. It's like sweaty in there. There's no AC. There's fire. Like, we're suffocating, but she's gracious. Mmm, it's good. It is. <laughs> you do crazy things like that. When you're in love, you've got to do something. I made a box one time, and I put stuff on the box, and like, so that she could put stuff in. And I actually put, like, hearts and, like, like papers, and I, I decoupaged. I decoupaged that beast. <laughs> the guys are like, what'd you do? <laughs> Some of the ladies are like, oh, yeah, that's weird. But like I, I've done stuff. Why? Because love makes you do something. That's what Mary did. And she was extravagant. Like she decoupaged. Like she went all the way in her love for Jesus. She did what she could, and she gave him something costly. And because she did it, it changed the atmosphere in the room. It changed the atmosphere was what was happening there. It changed this air of bitterness from Judas. Oh, why didn't we give that away? Oh, what's she doing? And it changed into this air of beauty. Listen, when you gave to Camino Real last year, you changed the atmosphere of that room and of those families. In fact, I just want to remind you really quick. It's going to be a cell phone video, but I just want you to remember what you did and how the atmosphere of a school changed. Check this out. Now it's one chapel, so it is a Christian-based church. Um, and what they said is that they wanted to give us and our team a little bit, uh, a little something. It says it's a small gesture compared to the time, energy, and skills of your staff. But we hope it will serve as encouragement and helps you know how much we appreciate all that you do to invest in our kids. So they know that. Um, you're, you're, the work that you do is investing in, in our future, um, especially like I tell you all the time, our babies. And so um, I wanted to open it all together, uh, and I'm, I'm kind of excited. So we're going to pass it out quickly, and then we'll say one, two, three. Team
You change the atmosphere of that place. Now, they're probably going to kill me for showing them in their PJs. I don't know if, I don't know if Tori's here right now, but, um, oh, hey, hi, sorry. I <laughs> should have asked you. <laughs> but you change the atmosphere. And I love all the, all the different reactions from shocked, surprised to, hey, to, you know. Well, then I love that last blessed lady. You know, she's just like sitting there. Like she's just in shock, and you change it. And not only that, but you change the atmosphere of their homes. You did that. You changed the atmosphere in homes last year when, when you gave money to people who didn't think they were going to make it through the holiday season. You changed them, and you changed them with your lives day to day, just going to work and doing what you do. But this is not all. Mary, she did what she could, and out of her extravagant giving, we're still talking about her a couple thousand years later. It's an amazing thing. There's another person, though, in the story that I just want to touch on briefly. His name's Judas, and he's kind of a punk. And Judas had some choices to make, too, just like Mary. He had choices that he had to make, and his choices were a little different. And he made some mistakes in his choices. The first was he was, he was a controller. This is in your notes, if you take notes. He was a controller. He, he wanted to control the situation. You read it in John 12, 4. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, he objected. Judas, he wanted to control what was happening in the room. He wanted, and I want to just tell you, you can't control everything. Some of you, that's your personality type. You want control, and you just can't. You've discovered over and over and over again that that doesn't work. You know, kids teach you this very, very quickly. I, uh, I remember we were, in, we were in the mall one time in Colorado, and Aurora, she was just real tiny. And I don't even know if there was a, a Ewan yet, but she was so tiny. And she, for whatever reason, she was one of those nights, she just had, she spazzed out, man. We were in the store, and she spazzed out, like screaming, like going nuts, like throwing a fit. And so I'm like, oh, man. And so I, can, I, cannot, I can't stop her. And so I pick her up, and I'm like, Maria, I'm going to take her to the car. I'm going to deal with this. And so the problem was we were at this end of the mall, and my car was parked over here, and you had to go like on a V to get back to the car because it didn't go across this way. So I walked all the way down this hallway of the mall, turned the corner, and went all the way down this hallway of the mall with my daughter in my arms, screaming, kicking, like going absolutely berserk. And have you had this experience, parents? They're like, oh, dear God. Oh, dear. I mean, they think I'm kidnapping her. They think I'm hurting her. I don't know. They're like, it's okay. It's okay. Love her. Love her. Uh, love her. Uh, love her. Uh, just, just terrible. I couldn't control it. It was not going to happen. If you're trying to control everything, oftentimes you just cut off the story. That's the end of the story. The story doesn't get to play out. It doesn't get to unfold. Judas was trying to cut the story. He was trying to control it. Jesus let it continue to move on. A controlling spirit won't let that happen. Judas was a complainer. He heard him. He was an annoying complainer. John 12, 5. Why wasn't this perfume sold and money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. You can hear him. Why wasn't it? You can kind of hear him whiny. Jesus! What? What are you doing? Jesus! Like so, so annoying. Have you met these people? These, they just constantly complain. Nothing's ever good enough. You can hear Judas' tone in this question. It's a major crybaby. And another gospel says they started all kind of talking about her and complaining about it. Complainers, complainers, they always think they know what's best. They think their way is the best way. Their way is the only way. Guess what? They're wrong. It's not. And by the way, we're tired of you. Stop complaining. <laughs> I kid. 
I kid because I love. I'm just saying, everybody, we got to get this out of us, this mentality. Listen, we were at Catalyst Retreat yesterday, and we ate some lunch and dinner. Lord. There's this barbecue sandwich. Lord, help us. Lord. I, st- I still got it. I mean, I- it's here. And, I- and we're-, we're all trying to, you know, Jesus is filling us, and we're, we're confessing our complaining spirits, and-, and-, and we go to lunch, and it's all back. Boom! Like... <laughs> This is the worst lunch I have ever had. Like, it's just, it just was, it just was bad. And we're all having to push it out. I, listen, I'm serious. All of it. All of it. The music's too loud. I don't like the curtains. I don't like this. I don't like this lunch. I don't like this food. Why do you put the silverware in that way in the dishwasher? Like, everything. Let's get that out. Let's just stop. We don't want to be those people that complain, that think our way is the only way and our way is the best way. It's not. Jesus' way is the best way. Let's figure out what that is. Let's all go together on that one. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Judas was a consumer. He was a controller, he was a complainer, and he was a consumer. John 12, 6. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Judas, the only thing he was doing was fending for himself. He wasn't thinking about the poor. Selfishness was his main motivation. He just wanted to consume. Selfishness was eating him up. And listen, Judah's story, he was those things that we don't want to be a part of. He was those things, and his story ends very tragically. Judas does not have a legacy. I guess he does. It's a negative legacy. All we talk about is his tragic demise. That's it. We talk about these horrible things that he did, and then his demise. That's it. That's what was left behind. So contrast that with Mary then. Contrast that with Mary and what she did, because she had choices too, and her choices changed the atmosphere. She was caring. Mary was caring. She noticed what the others didn't see, and she leaned into what was happening in the room. She leaned in to what the other people weren't leaning into. She was listening to what Jesus was saying. She was aware of the hours that were coming for him later. She was aware of what was happening. The other guys, they were too busy. They were kind of self-consumed. They were maybe jockeying for position, trying to get next to Jesus and recline at the table. They probably didn't shimmy like that, but they, they were on their way to try to, try to position themselves to, to get the highest authority, the highest place of honor. Mary didn't do any of that. She just cared. Listen, I want you to realize your generosity, and I'm not talking about money, the generosity of you giving your life, it can kind of open you up and position you to hear what God is doing. Your generosity, your giving of your time and energy and space, your, your giving, it can position you to hear the voice of God more clearly. When you decide to not care, to not pay attention, you're just closing all that self, the stuff down as your self-centeredness kind of turns you inward. Don't look inward. I want you to be in the position where you can hear clearly, Jesus, what are you doing? What do you want me to do? I think you opening up to other people, it helps you do that. Mary was a contributor. She was caring. She was a contributor. Like she, she dug deep into her life, and she pulled something out and gave the very best that she had. She brought something of significant value to Jesus. Keep in mind, Judas already told us it was worth a year's wages what she gave to him. Like, think about you doing that. I'm going to gather up a year's wages. I'm going to gather up my annual salary, and I'm going I'm to I'm give it away. How many of us could do that? This is what she's doing. She's giving it all away. She didn't cling to it. 
She didn't hold on to it tightly. She gave in such a way there was no going back. Like she left it all. She breaks the jar, the box. She breaks it open, spills it out. She can't put it back in. She left nothing in reserve. She gave everything that she had. Oh, in chapel, I want us to be a church that takes care of people that way. That we just, we just lay it out. I don't care about my reputation. I don't care about our position. I, don't, I, I just, I just want to leave it all. I want Jesus to fill me and pour me out and leave it all on the table for people. God, help us not to cling to our stuff, to hold on to these things, these possessions, the stuff of life. Help us to let it go, serve other people. She contributed. And because she did those things, she created a legacy. She created an amazing legacy. And when she did that, Jesus decided, I'm going to do some things for you. Listen to Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Mary makes a decision on this night to confess Jesus, to proclaim him, to worship him, to express her love for him. And what does Jesus do? He stands up and he defends her. You might be familiar with the, the story of Stephen, the martyr. Stephen gets in hot water and they pull him out and they're stoning him. They're actively stoning him. He is about to die. And he has a vision where heaven opens up and he sees Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. And do you remember the story? What happens? Jesus stands up. He stands up in defense of Stephen and welcomes him in. It's an amazing picture. Malachi 3 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And we do this when you put Jesus first. When you give him the first part of your life, Jesus, I believe, actually stands up for you. That's what Malachi is saying. He stands up. He pours blessing out on you. He rebukes the devourer for your sake. But that's not all. Jesus tells Mary that her gift to him would be rewarded because it's going to go on. Mark 14, 9, I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. We're here today telling her story because her legacy continues on. Who would have thought this woman in this moment, this brief moment in history, historical fact, this happens, this is recorded and passed down. This moment in history, we're here in Kyle, in a movie theater, and we're talking about her and the amazing thing that she did for Jesus. Just think for a second about all the rewards that you could receive in life. I'm not talking about like, everybody gets a trophy. You participated, first place participation. Like, I'm not talking about that thing. I'm talking about like the good ones. Like when I was growing up in school, we had like a cleanest desk trophy. Anybody ever get that one? Did anybody, anybody ever get one of those? I got one once, no? Yeah, you and me, Javi, you and me, nerds. Okay, so... So we did it. Like, like the awards, like, like think about like Oscars, like Grammys, like, like Emmys, like, like Nobel Peace Prize, like all these awards that we could get. That, that compares, that's nothing. Heisman, like what, all these awards that you could get. She gets the greatest thing. Her caring, her contribution, her actions, they make a difference. It impacts eternity. And we're still telling her story today. Let's do that. Let's do that. One chapel, I've seen firsthand the things that you have done that you haven't seen. I've seen the teachers at Camino Real as they light up. Oh my goodness, I can't believe a church did this.
for us. And what did you want in return? Nothing. We don't want nothing. You don't have to come. You don't have to join. You don't have to do anything. We just want to be a blessing to you. I've seen the families that send me messages and say, we didn't know what we were going to do. And oh my goodness, we're, we're going to make it. We have faith. We have hope again. Thank you for supporting us. You did that. It was me. I helped, but, but you did that. It's an amazing thing. I've seen it firsthand, and we're just getting started. So over the next couple months, we've got some opportunities, you guys. I've, we've got Camino Real has some stuff that they need. In fact, they have a fall festival coming up on October 26th, I think it is. Is that right, Tori? And they need some volunteers. I would love it if we would go help them. Just continue to invest in that relationship and bless that community. And so if you're interested, talk to me, talk to Christy. We'll talk a little bit more about that this week through groups and catalysts. But, but think about it. We've got, uh, we just had a meeting last week with Kyle Correctional Center just down the road. And they've got some needs, some things that they could use some help on. They need a person who can teach a financial literacy course. Maybe one of you could do that. They, they need some, they've got a volunteer training that's coming up in November. Maybe a bunch of us should just go down there and just start serving and just give some of our lives away to those guys. It's a pretty cool program they're doing down there, actually. We met with the warden and heard all about it. Coming up in November, we've got feature presentation coming. So we're going to talk about, in modern-day parables, our movies. We're going to watch some movies and talk about biblical truth. It's the perfect opportunity for you to invite somebody who's far from God and come hang out. Actually, in your cup holders today, we have these cards for you. You remember these? It says something extra to show you that God loves you. I want you to please take one of these with you this week. And this week, just get started somewhere. Drive through the drive-thru, pay for the person behind you, drop this card off and say, hey, could you give this to them as they drive through? Pay for somebody's coffee at Starbucks. Like, just do something. Bring donuts to the office, put this on the box, and just say, hey, just wanted to bless you today. Just do something to show somebody. It's a little something extra. Why don't you guys come on back up? Let's close. Listen, you guys, we're headed into the season, and legacy is about making a major difference together. Will you join me and do it? As we close, I just want to highlight something for you. Highlight something for you from the scriptures that, that talks about what happens when you live this kind of a story. When you live a life that kind of gives everything away, when you live a life that cares for other people, there are some promises. Yes, I said promises in the scripture in Isaiah chapter 58, and it's pretty incredible. Actually, I think it's the only place that I know of, and someone who is a better scholar than me may be able to point out some other places, but it's the only place I've found that I know of today that God gives at least 12 promises in return if you live this kind of a life. I'm going to read it for you, and I'm going to count them off for you so that you can hear it. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6, he says, is, is this not the kind of fasting that I have chosen? Is this not the kind of lifestyle that I have chosen? to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Now listen, listen here's what happens if you live this kind of a life. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, one. And your healing will click quickly appear, two. Then your righteousness will go before you, three. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard, four. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I, five. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you, here it is, spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday, six. 
the Lord will guide you always, seven. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, eight, and will strengthen your frame, nine. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail, ten. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations, eleven. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings, twelve. That's who you are. the kind of church that I want to be. Mary did it. Mary did it in her generation. Now it's our turn. Let's just say yes. Let's do it.